This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you. Whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives, you'll find it all here. Keeping tabs on news and developments can be daunting, not to mention having to make sense of it all. Fortunately, Daily Maverick Associate Editor Farrell Hafiji and Carte Blanche presenter Masake Kana are ready to give you a weekly serving of news and views. All wrapped up and ready to be digested. This is The Whole Week Wrap with Daily Maverick. Well, first of all, a very, very happy new year and a prosperous 2023 to you, Ferial, and to the entire Daily Maverick team, of course. Thank you very much, Masa, and ours to you at Carte Blanche. We look forward to working together this year. It's going to be amazing. I am, I'm worried about you guys. How was Nazrik? I mean, have you even gotten into 2023 yet? There was so much madness. Wow, that was quite a uh, quite an end to the year, Masa. We we attended quite a big team, and then the conference was so busy in elections mode um, that it wasn't even completed. So my colleagues started back really early last weekend already, completing the conference and then doing the January eighth statement mm. um, by the president Cyril Ramaphosa. Speaking of that, because that's one way that we have kicked off uh, the 2023 calendar, um, political calendar especially, what did you make of the 111th Jan 8 statement uh, delivered in Mangawung? And what message do you think it sent that it was also delivered in Mangawung? No, Masa, I found that really, really interesting. And I know that we're occupied with the day to day, but I do think that five years ago, um, a President Cyril Ramaphosa delivering an address in the manner in which he did in Mangaung, which is capital of the free state, and we all know that to be the home, um, the political turf of the suspended former ANC Secretary General, now Ace Mahashule. I don't think you'd have seen such a thing. So I think the biggest story that tells us is that the so-called RET faction of the ANC, they took quite a bloodied nose in December at the ANC's Mm. conference. And that's probably not because of the strength of renewal or reform or a focus on servant leadership, but more because they were so frightfully disorganized, they didn't get behind a single candidate. And so the renewal faction of the ANC did win out at the end of the day. And I think speaking of renewal, I mean, that is the first thing that he mentioned in that January 8th statement in terms of priorities for this year for the ANC and it being to deepen the renewal of the ANC. What I found particularly interesting and also slightly disturbing, though, and this may also be nitpicking, is that this priority was above the priority of ESCOM and load shedding. 1.1 was deep in the renewal of the ANC and 1.2 was ESCOM. Now, I think if we ask any ordinary South African what they would like to be corrected in our country right now, we're currently sitting at stage six load shedding. (laughs) I mean, do I want the renewal of the ANC, which in long term really does affect all of us, of course, or do I want stage six load shedding addressed as the key and number one priority for a governing party? 
So I think what the ANC would reply is that it was a party event and that mm. the way to reform, the way to deal with energy is by getting better leadership into the ANC, with the ANC renewing itself. And renewal is always short form or code for ending corruption in the party. Mm. So perhaps that's why they prioritized it. For those of us looking on, and at the stage, I think it was still at stage four or maybe even at stage three last Sunday, um, is that I felt like, as per usual, the president always, always puts party before the people. Yeah. The question of renewal of the ANC is nothing new. This is something that the ANC drums over and over, you know, about being united, by re- renewing itself. And to your point, code for let's dem- take out corruption, let's dem out corruption. But we've seen also that as much as it is said, what we see on the ground are two different things. When we have exposés like the Tembisa Hospital, when we have COVID-19 relief funds that were abused, when corruption still continues. So it's interesting that they keep mentioning this renewal, but it's like, what's the progress on this renewal? So I suppose learning, listening to ANC people um, at the ANC conference in December, Masa, sometimes it feels like you're in a different world. So for the ANC, they feel like renewal has really been victorious, that they're doing extremely well. And I felt the party that was just a little bit disengaged with the realities that we face. Um, For example, there was no load shedding at Nazareth. It was like this amazing world where load shedding didn't happen and where you were incredibly safe. I've never seen so many police officers in one place in Joburg at any time like you saw there. And I think for me that was a symbol of of how the ANC operates in society or has come to Mm. operate, is that it's almost in its own bubble. So even when you listen to people in the presidency who are perhaps well-meaning democratic South Africans, they think they're doing very well as a government. Similarly, leadership of the ANC, they think that the party has gone very far down this um, road of renewal, which really isn't borne out in the evidence of declining corruption. So if you say to them, yeah, but not really, what do you mean? They point to the reform of institutions like SARS, like the NPA, a new police commissioner, etc. And I think we still to um, enjoy the fruits of those changes of leadership. Speaking of changes of leadership, um, with a big conference like we've had in Nazareth in December, alliances are drawn, um, some are drawn even thicker. Can we look forward to a cabinet reshuffle? So I think everybody, Masa, is waiting to see when the president will reshuffle his cabinet. Um, I think there are a couple of candidates who know that they are in for the chopping block and I, I would say that's definitely the tourism minister, Lindy Wesisulu, who through the conference I thought was so politically unwise. You know, she attended like an, a satellite address by Mr. S. Mahashule, um, where she was seen on the stage with him just ahead of the conference. She was really making extremely attacking statements. She almost sounded like a member of an opposition party. Mm. And then on the floor, I don't know if you noticed, but her nominations were so minuscule to be unnoticeable, to uh, to be honest with you. 
Also, the Cooperative Governance Minister in Kosozana, Dlamini Zuma, she's yes. now facing disciplinary action by the party um, because of that walkout from Parliament and voting against the party line just, mm-hmm. just ahead of the conference. Um, so I do think that there are obvious candidates who are going to be shuffled up. But I see lots of people on social media saying, choose the best of South Africans, choose technocratic skills and the list Mm. being developed of of who should be. I think we would be in for a big disappointment if you expect that the president's going to choose more widely than from within just circles of the ANC. Uh, I think all he's going to do is look at who the most popular candidates were for election to the party's NEC and then possibly shuffle out those people who didn't even make the NEC cut. Um, And that cabinet reshuffle will happen not as something for the nation, but again to satisfy uh, party dynamics. Now, I must say, I hope that doesn't sound too negative. It's it's born of some experience watching how the ANC makes cabinet reshuffles. But Mm. what I do watch very carefully is how the presidency has become a super presidency. And what you have in there is people who I think the president would have liked to have in his cabinet. He's put them into his presidency instead. For example, um, Mr. Daniel Minele in charge of all the negotiations about the just transition and energy funding, um, as well as Rudy Dix, as well as uh, Trudy Mackay, his economic advisor. So those I think are a representation of the cabinet you would have liked to have in the presidency instead. Speaking of other political parties to be looking at for 2023, our official opposition, the Democratic Alliance, they will be headed to their federal conference this year. Some say that Johannesburg Mayor Dr. Paul Palazzi may contest for the leadership position and contest against John Stian Hazen. That would be very interesting as well. What do you make of this? Because this is going to be a big conference for the DA. Um, it's going to be a really big conference um, come April. I have heard, in fact, I had a very senior ANC person telling me the other day that they believed Mpopalazzi would be a good leader of the DA, which the ANC could then strike an alliance for to hold the central ground of politics in South Africa. To be honest with you, I'm not sure if the mayor would succeed um, as much of a breath of fresh political air that she is because the DA is a big political party now and also functions in in factions. And I think John Steenhuisen may not have the biggest and most popular public profile, but within the party, I I think he has the majority. You'll remember that um, Wilmot James tried to um, Mm. run against him as well, and he came a cropper. But heading into the 2024 elections, um, you would think that the mayor and Paul Palazzi would be a good um, a good on the leaderboard of the DA, maybe not as the leader. I think it would be quite interesting to have her in charge, considering the elephant in the room when it comes to the DA, especially when it comes to elections and black leaders. So would they go back to that route or would they take the route with they took in the last elections of trying to also garner for Uh, the Freedom Front Plus kind of um, membership and voter as well. So who comes out victorious kind of tells me which direction I think the DA sort of would like to go in going into 2024. 
Um, that that's really interesting. They are the, you you're right. They 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 are, are competing for the the support that they've lost in droves to the Freedom Front Plus. The, there's another matter that I've been watching with great interest. Marseille's it's the rightward tilt of of Helen Ziller, and she's mm. still a very powerful person in the DA, um, and she seems to have eschewed now the idea that you need a leader um, who's representative of an African majority at the helm of the DA. Um, and so I think she would be throwing a weight behind John Stiernazen, but it's completely um, a race to watch as closely as journalists do the, the ANC. Yeah, absolutely. And the EFF turning 10, um, Julius put out a tweet <laughs> laughing his face off saying, who's got the last laugh now? Who would have thought 10 years? <laughs> So quite a character on our on, on our political <laughs> landscape and and I'm quite interested moving forward into 2024 whether you're going to see an alliance between Deputy President of the ANC Paul Mastile and Julius Malema's EFF because it's quite clear if you if you listen to the young man maybe not quite so young as he was when he started out that he really wants to get his the EFF wants to get its hands on the levers of power and that what it would mm. really like now is, is the municipality. So that alliance is going to be vital to watch um, in the next couple of years. What concerns me, though, about also those alliances, especially at a local government level, is seeing what is going on in Gauteng, for instance, with Tswane Ekurleni, not so much the city of Joburg, but also it has its issues where parties are saying, you give me this one, I'll take, I'll forfeit that one, you give me. And I know it's politics, but it just often sounds like we're talking about toys. You know, we're not talking about constituencies and people and services. We're just talking about at least if the DA has that one and the ANC has that one and the EFF, like let's just split it amongst them as if it's, uh, you know, we're playing rock, paper, scissors. Um, that is what concerns me about these politicking relations and trying to spread the power amongst themselves without us as the voters. Yeah, you know, Masa, my my main work now is is just to watch Johannesburg and then hopefully to do a few more cities. And I must say we are just we, the people, the residents, the citizens, we're just forgotten in those games and What's mm. been st striking for me is that that phenomenon occurs across parties is they trade positions, they even trade positions in the bureaucracy, you know, so we'll give you a chief directors and we'll give you this if you give us that. And it is a mm. massive chess game, which perhaps is how politics works in the world. And, and that's why personally, I'm really interested in working more in ward committees and in putting up our hands and saying we matter, and, and probably that's something you, you and I spoke about towards the end of last year, is to keep a careful eye on how that electoral reform begins to work, because for me that's the only solution to parties completely mm. forgetting about us, is because they only have to satisfy party bosses, not really the people who elect them. Oh, very else. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and you know what? There's just so much to look forward to because also we don't know what's in store for us as well these are the highlights that we can kind of yeah say we know will happen but in between you know talks are still happening um who would have thought i mean we haven't had an anc president complete their second term 
we don't know what's going to happen to CR um, this year, even though it was quite surprising that he won um, at Nazrec with greater margins than 2017. Um, yes, he did. I was really interested when you put that on our list of talking topics. And I realized that's great. We've never had a president, an ANC president, finish a second term. I mean, mm. our founding father, Nelson Mandela, said, I'm just staying for one term. Um, yes. And then after that, the party um, recalled its president. I do think that President Ramposa really wants a second term to leave legacy. He spent his first five years, I would argue, doing some things, but really playing his long game. And maybe he realizes his long game has about 50% of the road to go. But on the other hand, I do think that um, Paul Mastele wants to be president sooner rather than later. And then we have a 2024 election, which could usher in the first coalition government. So I think if anything, the next two years are going to be enormously interesting. And maybe we'll have a case of an ANC president not finishing a second term, not because he gets ousted by his own party, but this time because we have a whole new shape of government coming, which uh-huh. I mean can be a little bit... Bit of a tough road for our country, but it does make for very interesting uh, political changes. And speaking of political changes, when we look abroad and see what's happening in Brazil, um, deja vu, Trump, the US. Wasn't that quite something? I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was um, the march on Brasilia, so organized by um, the former leader, Bolsonaro's supporters, um, and it looked, and things looked like they really might get out of hand. They, I see the Financial Times today saying that it, in fact, might be good for the incumbent president Lula. But really, what a moment in in a country that I think is is quite similar to ours for its the shape of its society and for its politics. Which also goes back to what we discussed at the end of last year to say. What will happen should we move in the direction where we have with local government when it moves nationally with coalitions? Do we have a political party that is a governing party that is willing to let go of that kind of power? Or will we see riots like we saw in July? Will we see Tswane burning? And you actually had a far more optimistic outlook and it made (laughs) you had you you gave me much much hope i was more doom and gloom about it like please can they can we not burn down the city of twani can we not burn anything and just accept the results and and move forward as a good democracy should but when we watch what's going on in brazil and that it's also happened in the biggest democracy in the world in the u.s you know all these all these necessary concerns that People may actually not be happy. Are we moving in a direction where countries, it's a global thing, where you're not happy with the results and then you throw your toys out the cart? No, I was I was really interested to watch um, at the ANC conference in December that that people who may be of 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 such an instinct, you know, they're the people who created the grounds for the July 2021 uh, riots to happen. And they, I mean, I think it's clear even from the formal reports that many of them were from the ANC. So that kind of instinct was was very much um, vanquished in December, and and that mm. what you saw was people who had a slightly long-term, more long-term view, which was we have Mm. to get governance right. We have to 
um, re-root ourselves in communities. We have to win the 2024 election, which I think is a better position to be in than some people who you'd heard saying, if we don't win in December, if we don't win the next election, we will take power. But I do think it's going to depend on many um, parts of our of, of our country to ensure that that isn't our future. And that's many things. It's ensuring the independence of the IEC, electoral mm. reform, a growing economy. Um, but but, but I, it felt clear to me then that the Brazilian direction w- wasn't one that we'd, we'd head in. And again, that may be me with my rose-tinted spectacles, Massa. <laughs> we need them. We certainly do for our mental health and just wellness. Yes, now, exactly. Please school us. What are green shoots? Okay, so green <laughs> shoots are something I'm hoping to do with you every week. So these are my the important things I see happening in our continent and in our country, things that should give us hope, um, that should make us feel like inspired for the future. So first I started with 10 and my husband and other parts of my friends were saying to me, I think 10 is a stretch fair, so let's go with five. So I'm going to try five every week, okay? And I hope you'll join me. So can I go with them? Please do. Thank you. So um, there was this lovely story in um, News 24 with Matloho Nolo and Masejo Mpashlele and they um, are the creators, innovators of these amazing digital x-ray glasses. They got some venture capital I think from Red Bull and they now will put it into production. They went to a hospital and they saw how long people were taking to get x-rayed because of how how the technology works and I thought this was a lovely story and I'm looking forward to seeing their progress. Then Ike Pashla over at the Kruger told me that they had a bumper season and this is being mirrored in many tourism statistics that we're seeing a return to pre-pandemic tourism um, levels. Oh, wonderful. Isn't that great? I'm oh. really happy when Ike told me that. And then I guess because this is on my list of things to do, I've been watching um, Dakar, the Senegalese capital, which is really rising as a global cultural center. I know Senegal's just had that horrific uh, bus accident for which our president sent condolences, but mm. so many exciting things happening in Dakar, the Biennale, um, Chanel had a big December show there where Pharrell was, where Naomi oh, Campbell wow. and Rogers were. So I'm really watching that the city with great interest. And then quietly, because I think it's still nascent. But you know South Africans' ability, Masa, to make a plan? I think mm-hmm. solar leasing and battery leasing are becoming more predominant than we know and not only as middle-class options but um, everywhere people are doing workarounds and you see businesses being established so I think the exodus from ESCOM is maybe a little faster than we feel when we're suffering stage six power cuts and then just the final one I see we have the Kraken subvariant of of COVID now, and yes. all our scientists are saying it's very virulent. It spreads really quickly. 
but don't panic because we should be fairly well protected against it. And then government's also opened up a fourth and fifth vaccine window now, um, which is also a, a good thing. Oh, I'm loving these oh, screen sheets. I'm going to like join, I am going to join you. I accept the challenge. Thank you. <laughs> Next Thank week, you. I'll give you mine. <laughs> but Great. wow, that's Have fantastic. That is a beautiful way to firstly end the first podcast of the year, but also to start off the year to know that and be reminded of the beauty of our country and the amazing things that are happening in the world. Great. I'm glad you like them. I look forward to us doing them together. You've left me with a smile, Ferial. Thank I'm you very glad. much. Have a lovely day, Marcel. <laughs> Have a great one. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. There's more Carte Blanche content to be found on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now TikTok. Let's continue the conversation online.